0: Welcome to Sarian Strategic Partners podcast, a podcast focused on pre transaction planning strategies and commentary for founders, entrepreneurs and executives. Our team's mission is to help ensure that you obtain the maximum net value from your life's work. We work with you to develop pre transaction planning strategies to help position you for personal financial success by identifying Key tax, estate, and gifting issues prior to a sale or exit of your company. I'm your host, Greg Sarian, CEO and founder of Sarian Strategic Partners. So, thank you for taking a few minutes to listen to or watch our our upcoming podcast here on the topic of what are some mistakes or oversights. That founders and executives of early stage companies make and what are are things to do, ways to avoid them at the entity level. And then I'm going to speak about what are some oversights that the individual executives have made at a personal planning level. And so we are so thankful to have joining us today as our guest, uh, Michael Poizel. Michael is the executive director of PCI Ventures and the Pennovation Center at the University of Pennsylvania. And I can't think of a better guest than someone who's had so much experience with startups and, and seen the good and the bad. So Michael, we really appreciate your, your carving out a few minutes to speak with us today.
1: Thank you, Greg, I'm happy to be here.
0: So Michael, as you and I were, were preparing for this discussion, we were just talking about how many companies you've seen and go through Pennovation and, and other, other startups So many companies struggle to raise capital. That's one of the biggest things I hear is these CEOs are constantly looking for the next uh, lifeline of money. What is your best advice that some of these entrepreneurs or founders may not have thought of when looking for that early stage capital?
1: Thanks, Greg. I think one of the issues that many companies don't focus on enough is the concept of credibility. Why would someone invest in you versus someone else? Just because you say you have a great business idea and maybe it checks all of the boxes of a great business idea. But if you don't have that credibility to give them the assurance that they should believe in you and that you're trustworthy for their capital, it's not going to happen. And that credibility can be achieved in a lot of different ways from getting warm introductions to people, from other people that know you, to adding advisors to your board or or to your company that have credibility and you can leverage off of their credibility. But it's all about being able to project that level of credibility to potential investors. And if you can do that, you greatly increase your odds of getting funded. It's a great
0: point, especially when even in this robust M&A environment, it's very competition for capital is, is fierce as you and I know. Again, you've seen a number of companies succeed and some fail. What's a what's a classic mistake on the operating level, Michael, that entrepreneurs make when they're running their companies?
1: I think the the most basic one, which probably people have talked about before, but deserves to be reiterated, is all about cash. So many entrepreneurs don't realize that a growing business consumes cash. It doesn't give it off. You might say to yourself, once I get profitable then I can use the cash from the profits to grow my business. And it just doesn't work that way. Even a profitable business continues to consume cash. It really comes down to growth. A growing business will consume cash. A steady state business will turn cash off. So if you grow to a point and you invest a certain amount of capital to get to a growth level, and then you're comfortable with where you are, then you're gonna be able to, to take cash out of the business as long as you stay at that level. But if you want to continue to grow your business, then you're going to need to continue to invest in your business, and right. that's something I think a lot of entrepreneurs don't prepare themselves for as they get started. That the business is going to be in a constant need of money as long as they continue to grow.
0: No, it's a it's a great point, and they aren't often revenue generating for many years for sure. For sure. What about success? A lot of the companies you deal with and I deal with are are truly you know, founders that are leaving another company to start with a concept or an idea or out of academia. You know, what are some of the key factors to succeeding when you're starting at ground zero?
1: I think there's a lot of things, but probably one of the most primary drivers of success is understanding the challenge that's in front of you and being committed to working through that challenge. Hmm. I like to say to people, that when you're starting a business you might be told that getting a business going is like someone putting a brick wall in front of you and you imagine that you have to climb over that brick wall what i try to tell entrepreneurs is that starting a business is like trying to run through that brick wall you have to have that kind of dedication that kind of appreciation for time that uh, you need to move quickly and you need to have that fortitude to be able to see through the challenging factors that are going to come your way. It's never a smooth path. It may look that from the outside, but it's a roller coaster ride, and you've got to have the fortitude to be able to ride that coaster.
0: And it's emotional too, right, Michael? I mean, you and I both seen founders and executives who thought they had a deal in hand, signed, sealed, and delivered, and the deal didn't quite come together in in the 11th hour, or those who thought the deal was dead and suddenly it resurrected. So it can be an emotional, uh, emotional roller coaster. That's well said.
1: It, it absolutely is, and I currently sit on something like fifteen boards, and I've sat on at this point, you know, probably over fifty boards in my lifetime. And that's part of my role is trying right. to help the CEO to manage those emotions, to stay yeah. calm in the middle of a storm. Uh, the better CEOs are really good at it; that are amazing in their ability to stay calm. You know, a lot of times when investors say they want to invest in someone who's been there before and done it, it's because they've already ridden the roller coaster once and it's not as scary the second time around. Uh, I, I think that's what a lot of investors are looking for. So if you haven't, then you need to project that level of calmness to investors to say, I can, I can ride it and, and not let my emotions get the better of me because it, it is certainly challenging. There's no question. Um, it also yeah. can be very lonely. you should have good advisors around you right. because trying to do this on your own can just be so hard uh, dealing with with all yeah. of the issues and problems that come along and being able to, to ride through them
0: that, that's a great point. at that human level, Michael, we talked about raising capital uh, but at that human level, you've seen through your 50 boards you've sat on great leadership character traits you know in companies that have had success and and the CEO often drove that. What are some of the attributes of really strong CEOs who are starting from scratch and building something wonderful? You
1: know, a lot of people, when I, I interview a huge number of people to be CEO, and I, our process at PCI Ventures is that we place CEOs into companies, and so we interview a lot of people. And you would think that you know, maybe one of the attributes might be to be a nice person and to To feel like you're somebody that other people can like and get along with. But really, that isn't a driver of success. A driver of success is someone who is organized, who understands how to manage to a goal, breaking goals down into smaller pieces, uh, building, you know, what I would call, you know, using like Gantt charts that are systematic, step by step uh, processes of how you get from point A to point B. And someone who knows how to lead, who knows how to lead people and say, We are going to go this way and everybody needs to follow. And the people that possess those project management skills and those leadership skills really are the ones that I see are successful, even if they aren't always the nicest people. If they can do those two things, they can drive a company to success. This is a great conversation, Greg. I know you've written and spoken about the founder's need to have a contingency plan in place and their personal risks make sure that they're covered. What does that really look like for an entrepreneur? Yeah, it's such an important point,
0: Michael, because so many of these these entrepreneurs leave large pharma or large biotech to go start a startup or they leave academia. And in both cases, they have a nice, full, complete benefits package and all kinds of health insurances and medical benefits and retirement plans. And they go into a startup environment where it's really lean if anything at all in terms of those those professional supplements to their to their medical and retirement and expense management so a couple of things that we always suggest which is number 1 understand the financial risks that that they're undertaking and to the extent possible when they make that transition from corporate america or academia to a startup try to have some liquidity set aside we always recommend that a founder or executive has at least six to nine months of capital set aside, because it may be it may be many, many months before they're drawing a regular paycheck. And then similarly, from, from a risk management point of view, covering the greatest risks in terms of their insurance program. So if they're leaving a, a large farm where they had lots of life and disability insurance, to the extent possible, try to replicate that through purchasing some inexpensive term or some um, own occupation, long-term disability And your ability, the entrepreneur's ability to do what they do is their greatest asset and one that's worthy of protecting because an unforeseen event could just throw a a serious curveball into their personal life, let alone their business. So making sure those risks are covered through taking on their own personal insurance program, which they can shed later on as as they get back into that groove of a more consistent
1: income and asset base. I couldn't agree more, Greg. I, I see it so often that entrepreneurs have not prepared their personal life for success when they're starting a business with us. They need to make sure that, that their home life is secure and understanding of what they're taking on as much as they are from a business standpoint. They have to manage the personal risk as well. Why is having a basic estate plan key to protect the value of the entity for the founder's family?
0: Now that, that's also a big oversight that, that you and I both see because a lot of these early stage executives don't don't recognize the value, even if it's just an intellectual property of the entity they're growing. And to, to have some basic documents in place, such as a will, which is making sure who gets what. So if the value of this asset would at least go to the ones who you love and care most about. Another important document is a power of attorney, which is the ability to have someone sign legal documents on your behalf if you're incapacitated. Huge, huge challenges can present themselves if decisions need to be made on on the executive's behalf, and whether it's personal or through their company, and there's nobody's got that legal authority to make those signing decisions. And then another, just real basic, prudent document is is a living will, which is your ability to make sure you keep enough health support and to keep you living to the extent that you want it. So those are the three main basic documents that even if you don't think your company is valuable yet, it may be more valuable than you think. And it's, it's you owe it to your family to make sure those basic documents are in place. And then as the entity is to your point, you, get, you begin to raise some capital and now you have a valuation. Now you have a cap table. As soon as possible, we think it's really important to have a buy-sell agreement. So if there is a key person, there's a key couple of leadership in in the team, and there is some value being built in this company, the the CEO uh, or the COO should really think about what if something happens to them? What happens to the entity level? And again, how does that value then get replaced back to their company? So a buy-sell agreement is a legal document that you would establish with your right-hand person, where there would be a funding by life insurance. So that if something happens to you or to your right-hand person, there is some liquidity that comes in the form of of life insurance that would at least represent some payment to your family. Because we often see the value of an entity is less in a marketplace if the CEO or founder passes away. In at least a a funded buy-sell agreement, there's a written set of policies and procedures on how the family of the owner or founder would, would receive some compensation. Uh, in the event of their of their demise. So those are really the, the couple of basic documents you want to be thinking about, even when you're just getting your company going.
1: Absolutely. What is so important about starting the company with the end in mind and considering multiple possible outcomes?
0: Yeah, it, it's, it's, it's something that a, a lot of founders, they get so caught up in just getting, like you said, to the next round of capital or getting to the next board meeting. And and they don't really understand how important it is to think about the, the value of the entity that they are trying to create from the inception, meaning what are, what are the different outcomes they would envision in their personal planning? So as the company begins to get traction, we recommend that founders, executives really consider three possible outcomes as it relates to their personal financial well-being. The first is, what if there's a very good outcome? so you know what 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 would that valuation look like what would that monetization look like on an after-tax basis to your family and then how do you then back into income tax planning strategies estate tax planning strategies gifting strategies so you fully monetize in a tax smart way the outcome of the equity that you work so hard to build the second outcome is a mediocre outcome so let's say that that it's not quite what you had expected and deal terms uh, are what they are, and it's a situation where you need to or- take it or move on, then that is also a situation that you should contemplate in terms of what are some of the risk management issues I now need to keep maintaining, keep in place if the outcome wasn't as optimistic as I thought it was going to be. And then the third scenario, unfortunately, is where the company doesn't work? So we think as you're as you're looking at your personal financial planning, personal financial dependence goals as it relates to college savings or debt management or just liquidity, understand that the possibility of the company not not making it is a real one. And as much as you don't want to think about that, what are your what's your plan B and how are you going to then you know reinvent yourself and reposition yourself financially in the event of no outcome at all.
1: So many founders are counting on the sale exit to buffer their financial independence. How else should they be preparing for a financially sound future?
0: Yeah, and that maybe just dovetailing on the last question, Michael, but again, it's we've seen the, the the best outcomes from a negotiation standpoint are when the sale doesn't have to happen. When the sale happens organically or the takeover, the merger happens organically, and you as the builder, the founder, can can position and negotiate from a position of strength. What that means personally is having some liquidity, whether you're participating in a 401k plan, whether you're just funding a Roth IRA consistently, but knowing that your financial future doesn't solely depend on transacting this company, puts you in an even stronger place if in fact you do when you do transact it, but it gives you a buffer it gives you a bit of levity so that you can maybe not take that first offer because you don't have to but you know if you spend another 6 or 12 or 18 months and can grow your enterprise value more so then your your true outcome your true sale merger is going to be even stronger so making sure that you are managing your cash flow personally by continuing to save but also managing your debt that you're you're managing your expenses your outflows things like car payments, mortgage payments, rent payments, so that you're living within your means or below your means so that you don't have to make a decision based on your personal financial decisions, but really what's best and right for the company. That's great. Absolutely. Well, Michael, we really appreciate your time today. And and for those of you who who carved out part of your time to listen to us, uh, we hope you took away a few nuggets
2: and look forward to the next podcast. Thank you. Thank you so much, Greg. Seren Strategic Partners is a group of investment professionals registered with Hightower Securities, LLC, member of FINRA and SIPC, and with Hightower Advisors, LLC, a registered investment advisor with the SEC. Securities are offered through Hightower Securities, LLC. Advisory services are offered through Hightower Advisors, LLC. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities. No investment process is free of risk, and there's no guarantee that the investment process or the investment opportunities referenced herein will be profitable. Past performance is not indicative of current or future performance and is not a guarantee. The investment opportunities referenced herein may not be suitable for all investors. All data and information referenced herein are from sources believed to be reliable. Any opinions, news, research, analyses, prices, or other information contained in this research is provided as general market commentary. It does not constitute investment advice. Sarian Strategic Partners and Hightower shall not in any way be liable for claims, And make no expressed or implied representations or warranties as to the accuracy or completeness of the data or other information, or for statements or errors contained in or omissions from the obtained data and information referenced herein. The data and information are provided as of the date reference. Such data and information are subject to change without notice. This document was created for informational purposes only. The opinions expressed are solely those of Sarian Strategic Partners and do not represent those of Hightower Advisors, LLC, or any of its affiliates.